Hey y'all, it's Danielle. And Tykeena and I want to welcome you back to our 17th episode. We recorded on Inauguration Day, January 20th, 2017. So naturally we fall down a small rabbit hole where Tykeena and I reflect on Obama's initial election and also discuss why I won't refer to our now 45th president with the title of president in front of his name. Likewise, we spend time gushing over the recently released film Hidden Figures, which has taken the box office by storm in more ways than one. All right, guys, spoiler alert, big spoiler alert. If you haven't seen it, save this episode for when you have. We just couldn't help but talk about our favorite moments throughout the movie. It was just that good. All right, let's eat. Yes, we can. Obama. <laughs> Fine up. Ready to go. So I just got one question for you, Virginia. Are you fired up? Are you ready to go? Fired up. Ready to go. Fired up. Ready to go. Fired up. Ready to go. Virginia, let's go change the world. Oh, man. So many good memories. The end? I got my Obama shirt on today. Obama 08, the original. She probably couldn't even vote in 08. Um, excuse me. Yes, I could. I was definitely 18. Oh. It was the first time I voted ever. My first vote ever outside of like a class election, like official vote, was for Barack Hussein Obama. The 44th president of the United States. Which is now past tense. Wow. Time flies. I remember I, I skipped class in 2009 to watch the inauguration. Well, fortunately, it snowed, so a lot of professors canceled class anyway. But I definitely skipped the rest of my classes that day. Because we only had like a dusting in, in North Carolina. I definitely watched it. I, I don't know whether I had to skip class or what happened, but I definitely watched it. Like the shirt that I'm wearing right now, I was wearing the day that he got elected. Cause like I drove all the way home to Richmond because I didn't, I forgot to do that whole like, um, like the mail in vote. Absentee. Um, yeah, the absentee ballot. I forgot to do that. And so I made my parents come get me. <laughs> so, um... so I could vote in Richmond and then they drove me back to uh back to williamsburg that was the kind of like voter enthusiasm i had i was like so y'all gonna drive this hour to come get me so i could vote so did you wash that shirt yes i washed it oh i was just asking i actually bought this shirt the night that i shook his hand for the first time and did you wash that your was hand? yes i washed my oh. hand who is filthy I mean, not me there are a lot of people but carry on during like he was doing like one of his you know tours of like all of the different i don't know tim kane was with him and my aunt had a good relationship with tim kane and blah blah, blah. i ended up there and he shook my hand and i was like ah! 
And I remember I bought that shirt because I begged my mom to buy this shirt because it was at like the fundraiser or whatever. And the night he got elected, I went and took a picture with my Obama shirt right next to the Thomas Jefferson statue because I'm petty. Shade, huh? Give me a P. Give me a E. Give me a T. I'm truly, truly petty. I'm sure that's like buried in my Facebook somewhere. So in Chapel Hill, um, there's a tradition that whenever we win a big basketball game, they rush Franklin Street. And just riot and tear things up like y'all do or like big schools do. Your people, your kind. Um, Typically, there aren't riots. Sometimes there is some destruction of property. But Okay, rioting. Cool. Uh, so November 2008, when Obama won, we also rushed Franklin, and uh, people had boomboxes out there, uh-huh. and they were playing the Jeezy song, and you know, people pouring out champagne. I it, was, it was a was magical moment. I was driving around last night, and I was blasting Jeezy. My president is black. My my Lambo is blue. Like, I just, I wasn't ready. Yesterday was just, I just woke up and I just like felt like, ugh. You know, I I was talking to one of my friends earlier today and he was saying that like his first son was born, I think the day President Obama was elected. Crash. And then his second son was born like two years later. But he was saying, that's the only president my children have ever known. Like this mm-hmm. has become their normal. It's like, man, like, wow. Which is, it's it's very powerful because in my class, we've been studying local government. So we've been talking about local elections and how important local elections are, how a city runs and how it runs differently from a town and how it runs differently from a county, um, which I know, fascinating stuff for eighth graders. I hope you caught the sarcasm. But we have been on LeVar Stoney's website a lot, and he's the mayor of Richmond. Newly elected mayor of Richmond. Right. And his name is LeVar. This is something, a name that you would identify with a person of color, right? A black person, probably. And before we had gotten on his website, my students, I mean, they didn't say anything, but it came to my attention that they didn't think that he was black. Although I heard a, an argument with someone what, between some of my kids who were like, Barack Obama wasn't the first black president. They just assumed because Barack Obama was the president that it was a possibility for presidents to have been black in the past. But then when I pulled up LeVar Stoney's website so that we could look at the issues that he says matter to Richmond, literally every single block, I had multiple kids. As soon as his picture came up on, on the wall go, our mayor's black. Yeah, his name is LeVar. <laughs> like, yeah, he's black. They had no, it just wasn't a possibility to them, even though our most previous mayor was black. I guess they just didn't see, they just see people in positions of power and they assume that they're going to be white. It's very interesting. President-elect 
It's Donald. It's President Donald J. Trump. You can say it for the both of us. No, you know, I've, I had this conversation with numerous people today and a lot of the same people that always said people need to put a handle on President Obama's name. Like mm-hmm. you need to refer to him as president. A lot of those same people are refusing to refer to Trump as President Trump. And, that's and I'll troubling. explain to you why. I don't think that's troubling at all. I'll explain to you why. Donald Trump has said so many inflammatory degrading things that in my opinion he has degraded the position of president he has not shown respect for that office in running for it or after he's pretty much been elected to that position so be i'm following his lead and the difference is with president barack obama please tell me and correct me if i'm wrong he did not do any of those things those the the inflammatory comments towards people massive groups of people in terms of uh, like categorizing things it just to me there is a a strong difference like i personally would have said president romney because i felt like he exemplified and showed respect for the office in which that he or he would have at least when he was campaigning for the position that he was about to take did he say things that i didn't like yes did he have policies that i didn't like yes but were they to the level and like that donald trump has done absolutely not and so because donald trump does not respect the position of president of the united states i am not going to put a handle in front of his name so the entire time he's president so for at least the next four years, you are just going to refer to him as Donald J. Trump. I mean, I might slip up. <laughs> you hear it a lot. Yeah. I mean, President Trump might come out of my mouth. Absolutely. Or, I mean, if he if he manages to have and show dignity for the office that he takes... And there is some type of massive turnaround that I just really don't see coming. But if it happens, then yes, I'm, I'll be the first one to say, you know what? Like, so, so President bas- Trump. So basically but what you're saying, you're willing to give him an opportunity. I'm going to say that. That you're going to be open-minded. At least. That, that's all I'm, I'm asking. I'm saying that if he shows me that he has respect for the office that he has now stepped into, then I will refer to him as President Trump. But he has not, and I refuse. And I feel like the difference between myself and the people who refused to do that for Barack Obama was that he did not do like one third, one, I don't even care, like one seventh of the things, anywhere near the things that Donald Trump has. And people were refusing to put the handle in front of his name, refusing to call him President Obama when he had done nothing to deserve any of that and had been nothing but dignified in trying to assume that position. I would have said President McCain. I said President Bush. I Right now, I can't bring myself to refer to him to anything other than Donald J. Trump, though. When he respects the office, I'll give him the respect that he deserves. But he has not done that. I'm I'm torn. While I definitely think there's some things that President Trump has did and said are troubling. And some of them were deal breakers for me. At this point, he's our president. So, I mean, not to say that we just have to f- forget everything that has happened. But 
I don't think we can continue to dwell on the past. And so like that's cute. I had someone no, no, like being real here, I had someone come to me today. I was like, Oh, why don't we why don't we impeach Donald Trump for his explicit comments about the women and sexual assault? The truth of the matter is we can't impeach anyone for something they did before they were elected. So that's not even, you know, no matter what types of egregious activities that Donald Trump has been involved in over the years, it's off the table now. I don't think it's off the table and it'll never be off the table for me. We can't impeach him for it. It's it's just a talking point. I'm not saying that it's something that I plan on impeaching him for, but I will not give him that level of respect when he can't even show it himself. I just, I can't. And I will not. And those things are never going to be off the table for me. The fact that he can brag about sexual assault and we have someone that he's nominated who said that she doesn't know that she's not going to roll back Title IX on college campuses, which is something that has been widely expanded by the uh, the Obama administration. No, that's incredibly troubling to me, and it will continue to be incredibly troubling to me. And until he can either show that, you know, through acts, through legislation, through whatever, that that's not who he is, when people tell you who they are, I'm going to believe them. And to me, he does not act like a president, and I refuse to call him that. Does it change that, his, what, that he is a president? No, people didn't call... I don't know. It's probably a really bad parallel, but like people didn't call black people people for the longest time. Did that change the fact that they were humans? No. Does it change the fact that he's the president that I refuse to call him as such? No. But personally, I will not give him something that he has not earned. But he not took that it. Like, like, That's you know. great. But I'm not going to sit here through pomp and circumstance just because it looks cute and just because it makes people feel like we're coming together. No. Bump that. I'm I'm over it. I will so, refer to him. His mama called and named him Donald. I'm a name. I'm a call him Donald. Guess I'm gonna name my son president. Do do so, and I will address him as such. <laughs> <laughs> so while we here, just really quickly, what do you think about the people that have been meeting with President Trump? Because I saw Twitter was roasting like Steve Harvey and. Of course, Kanye a few weeks ago and Jim did we, Brown. Did Chrisette Michelle perform today? I've completely clocked out of like inauguration festivities. I didn't watch it. Yes, I'm pretty sure she did. I wonder what song she performed. I don't know. My brother and I had sort of a not I don't want to say it was like a heated exchange, but we were kind of like arguing back and forth because what my brother was saying was like, we don't know what these people are thinking, you know, maybe they're trying to do like an inside job, like give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they're pretending like they're going to be his friend and then sneak attack him from behind. I kind of, did you see DL Hughley's video that he released about it? No, I saw T.I.'s though. I saw DL Hughley's um, right after Steve Harvey met with him. And he basically goes on goes on a rant about like why do you think the only people that he's meeting with are rappers and actors and comedians because that's the frame in which he sees us he sees us as entertainers because i mean he he sees things through the realm of entertainment i mean he is an he is an entertainer i mean ronald reagan was like what a, a, an actor beforehand too like so it's not what i would do 
I, but I, I also understand like if you want to create change, I hate that it's always us that have to reach across the table because for the past eight years, very few mainstream Republicans have been reaching across the, the table and, you know, you want to get things done. But I don't know. I'm really frustrated. Like, I don't know how to express it without. So let me ask you this question. Let me ask you calling this them terrible names. <laughs> If you if the roles were reversed and you were the president of the United States, would right. you go and find intellectuals that have been ragging on you for the past two years and say that they would never, ever work with you? Or would you find some people that have kind of played the middle of the road or some of them that probably said some things that were probably pro Danielle? So, I, I mean, I don't I can't say that he just got entertainers because they're entertainers and like he's this ringmaster and you know like he has all these puppets i don't who else would they expect him to go get would did they would they expect him to go get like the people that are usually contributors to cnn and msnbc like the mark lamont hills and the dysons and the cornell west you know the people that have been blasting him for two years the people that were a large part of them Obama loyalists, no matter what Obama said or did. I, I mean, I mean, but if you're if you're gonna if we're tackling urban housing, right? I'm not. I'm most of the people. If I'm tackling urban housing, I'm not going to get a neurosurgeon to do it. I'm first not. Of all. Yeah, I'm not going to call a neurosurgeon. But that's a person that you said said pro Trump things. So that's who he went to. I feel like he wants to surround him ar- around people who don't necessarily or not necessarily going to put him on blast. I think something that's important is if I'm if I'm going to tackle urban housing, I'm going to go find people who've worked in urban housing. I'm not just going to go find Steve Harvey because I think he's going to take a nice picture with me in t- Trump Towers. What is that fixing? I mean, I'm not to say that Steve, I don't know Steve Harvey's background outside of being an entertainer, but he's not the first person that comes to mind when I think of urban housing development. Yeah, but so... There look- are people who probably would have been willing to work or at least like come up with something, extend the invitation. That looks better than not. Who said he didn't extend the invitation? Like, we well, don't know. But be- see, because, because like, people have been blasting the HBCU for being willing to perform in the in the parade today. So, like, maybe he did extend the invitation and people didn't want to get the backlash that these people have gotten. So, I, I see it from a, I, I think I probably see it from a little bit different lens. So, granted, Steve Harvey would not be a person that I would, that comes to mind, be one of the first people to talk about not housing and urban development. But I commend him for what it's worth on having conversations about these things right now and not like just talking about, oh, balance. Now we know even today in his, in his address, he started talking about balance and law and order and everything. But if we can start focusing on like access to education, affordable housing, healthcare, I think those other things will decrease. But at the same time, like policies that he's already enacting don't say that that's something that he's looking for. Did you see how, like, if he really cared about it, 
about urban housing. Like today, the Department of Housing and Urban Development suspend suspended the reduction of the um, FHA, I think it's the Federal Housing Association annual mortgage insurance premium rate. So like they suspended the reduction of premium rates. So for me, I'm really interested. And that's that's something that's really going to impact a lot of families. W- when was that implemented? No, it it that's one of his first. I, I know, I know, but, but, but I'm orders. talking about the reduction in premium rates. I don't know. Because, you know, a lot of economists say that there's a direct correlation between the rise of FHA and the recession in 2008. In terms of reduction of premiums? Not necessarily. Well, just the FHA, the FHA program in general. I don't know. But I do know that it is now more expensive to own a home or it will be. For me, that just puts into question what's being said. I... Honestly, like personally, it would be very difficult decision to meet with Donald Trump. I think a lot of people, there are some people who are in like a very base, basic level who are just saying like, oh, anybody who meets with him, horrible, right? Mm-hmm. I see that as counterproductive because at times they're, we're going to have to have those conversations. And honestly, I don't see him as listening, but maybe somewhere there's like a tiny glimmer of hope. I think what burns people are the statements that they make after they meet with him where they're just so complimentary. I see him as, what did Steve Harvey, say? he called him like, I see him as like a very genuine person or a sincere person who has genuine desire to like fix these things. And... I think for a lot of people, that's what hurts the most. Oh, he, I mean, he didn't say he's a great guy, but he said he was a great guy. And it was like, but we've been listening to him for months. And he doesn't seem like that great of a person. It's one thing to say, hey, I met with him because I want to make some change. And, you know, you got to work with the power players in order to generate power. That's just the way our capitalistic society works, unfortunately. You know, but it's, I think like, you know, Jim Brown, he said that it was like, I don't know. He said something about him being awesome as well. Yeah. It was, I don't yeah. He, he basically said that he think that Trump will work, f- fix some of the problems that ill our communities. I don't know. My judgment is still suspended. I mean, no, my judgment is there, but. <laughs> and then uh, Dr. King, Dr. King's namesake met with him on the holiday. Honestly, I don't even want to talk about that. Uh-huh. Like, cause I will get all the way hot. Hot. Since when the things off the table on ain't no free lunch? I'm just I was just hot. Like he he canceled going to the National Museum of African American History. Mm-hmm. Right? Meets with MLK the third on MLK Day. In Trump like, Towers. In Trump Towers. Like y'all couldn't have met at the at the museum? That wasn't that wasn't an option. Nah. And I mean, he isn't necessarily the most public official. He is a he does identify he does identify as a civil rights activist, but he he seems to be a little bit shyer and there was all that drama surrounding him and his siblings and I'm just I don't know. I don't want to speak for one of my biggest thing is like I I really really gets under my skin when someone speaks for anyone who's who's deceased. Honestly, it it really gets under my skin because people are free thinking individuals. We don't know 
where Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. would be today. Maybe he would have met with Trump in Trump Towers. Maybe he would have, maybe he was rolling over in his grave. I felt like it was kind of inappropriate, though, for them to speak on the day because I felt like a lot of people took that meeting and they ran with it where this is what Martin Luther King Jr. would have wanted. This is what he wouldn't have wanted. This is blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, it's not our decision to make. And I think it was very ill-timed. If you want to meet with him, meet with him on your own terms outside of the frame of your father. Part of me says perhaps that was, you know, a poor, it was poor judgment to counsel, um, visiting the African-American History Museum and then calling for a meeting with the third and then the press conference. But part of me says, like, I wonder what happened in that meeting. Like, what was the goal of that meeting from from both sides? I don't even know if there was a goal. You know, was this just a photo op or because, you know, Martin Luther King III basically said, well, we need to start moving forward. And then he said, People are probably, literally, probably dying. It's like, what does that even mean? Literally, probably dying. Our new president is so, and I use this word with intention. Our new president is so articulate. It's a very loaded word. And I mean it to be. I'm so surprised he's so articulate. Oh, how nice. How nice. Went from the WWE <laughs> to the White House. Right, right. Wow. Ah. So, um, <laughs> I went to the movies the other day and learned about these three women. One of them even had a tie to Farmville, Virginia. That Any chance to shout out Farmville? Any chance he gets? Crip. <laughs> but uh i mean you're a teacher had you been teaching those stories about hidden figures no i taught the back half of u.s history and so when i was teaching u.s history it was i was teaching 1865 to present so they definitely would have been in the realm of what i teach and i had no idea about any of it honestly up until like last year i said the space landing was a complete hoax but now that they're saying black women were behind it i'm i'm full there i support it hold on hold on hold on, hold on. we totally went to the moon <laughs> so you're saying that neil armstrong didn't land on the moon no i'm saying didn't he did black woman put him there prior to that no i no. if he had you asked me this probably um january 20th 2016 i would have said no my grandpa used to like rail on and on about how the moon landing was a hoax and so i just like you know just went with it just went with it so <laughs> but black women put us on the moon so we to we totally went we were there what do you what did you think about the movie so have we identified the movie i mean i know everybody knows but hidden figures yes so I totally went to go see the movie. I walked a mile in the snow to go see this movie. Mm. So for those of y'all who don't know, in Virginia, specifically in Richmond, when it snows, we shut the city down. Down. Just, just down. Like there's nothing. You, you're not going anywhere. Go get your bread. Go get your milk. You're going to be in the house for a while. Thank goodness for Netflix. Netflix so, and chill. True. Six inches. Six inches snowed on Saturday, had us out of school through Wednesday. We didn't go back to school until 
Thursday, I believe. Six inches, nothing in other places. But that's just like snowpocalypse for us. So uh, the night that it came out was my best friend's birthday. Happy birthday, Monica. And we, Happy so I didn't birthday, go then. Yes, then I didn't go out that night. But uh, the next day, I definitely was like, I need to go see this movie. I need to go see these black women. And so I walked a mile in the snow to get to the movie for two reasons. One, because I know how important opening weekend is. Like, you know, overall, how much they make is important, right? Sure. But also, like, opening weekend numbers are a really, really big deal. So, one, I just wanted to be, like, as supportive as possible. Confession. Two. Paul's confession. confession. I didn't make it opening weekend, but. I know I, you didn't. But I bought a ticket. Look at you being loyal. Facts. That's who I I gotta I am. give you credit. Yeah. Snap. Yeah. Now, carry on. But the second reason was I just really one day want to like tell my kids or my grandkids, you know, I had to walk a mile in the snow to see black women on screen. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) You better be grateful. She's so extra for no reason. (laughs) How great of a story is that? So, yeah, I walked there and I was just blown away. I went by myself. I sat there. I smiled from ear to ear. The entire movie. Because one, I found out that my my get, get God, it right. Get it right now. Yeah, I'm trying to get it right because you know the six degrees is separation. My godfather, his godmother, I believe this is what I, I I think I'm not confusing it. My godfather's godmother is the main character. No, is the character played by Janelle Monet, the one that went to Hampton University that graduated from Hampton University. Mary Jackson. Yes, I don't. I'll definitely correct myself if I'm wrong, but that's what I, you know, we talked about. And like his mom went to the premiere, like they were best friends, you know, which is I think is really exciting. But I just smiled ear to ear because it was just like it was just beautiful. We were so agent, like we had so much agency in that movie. There was really, there were. I mean, there were points where I feel like the white savior complex kind of creeped in, but a lot these women, they just did it. And it was amazing. And I'm sure there was some like stretching of the truth here and there. But I don't really care. I was so happy. I was giddy. I was giddy. So about that, about some part of the story being embellished. I know I read somewhere that they kind of minimized some of the racism because they wanted to make this a family movie. And, uh, you know, they didn't want people like they wanted it to be evident, but they didn't want that to be the entire essence of the movie. Like they didn't want it to take away from the narrative. And in my mind is very much a part of the narrative, regardless racism, sexism, etc. You know, is definitely a part of the narrative. But I found I found that a little bit interesting. And I wish I wouldn't have heard that before I went to the movie, because when I was there, I was like I was thinking about it a little bit. Right. But uh, I enjoyed it. You know, it's something I think it's a classic. It's something, a story that needs to be retold over and over and over. And I hope it's added to the standards of learning test in Virginia. It needs to be. I didn't know that, though. I think it would have added to it. It's like, I don't think there's anything that could have taken away from what they did and under the conditions in which they worked. 
I think it would have done nothing but possibly alienated any white viewers who maybe weren't comfortable with that type of truth. But I think it would have totally added to the story. Like now I'm a little bit disappointed because they still accomplished what they accomplished despite whatever levels of racism that they face. So that just like adds to like the resiliency that they had. And those girls were smart. Can I just say, I left the theater. I you, left You wanted the to start theater. learning some more math, didn't you? I wanted to do some math problems <laughs> like crazy. I was like, I need to buy me some fractions. <laughs> I was like, I need to do some long division. Because like, I don't know. And I think that that I had math ruined for me at a very early age. I used to love math. And then I had something that happened with a teacher in the sixth grade that really that I will, I I can't forget, but just really like marred my relationship with math. And I just like think about what type of like place I might've been in or just what type of place I, mind space or my love for math or my ability to work with math. Had I been able to see that film at that age when I was having that struggle with that subject. And so I'm really excited. I just was giddy because I was thinking about all the little girls who are going to go and see that movie and be super inspired to go into math and science. We're needed there. Yeah, well, there was a like, point in the movie I needed there. It was a point in the movie that said that women like dominated those fields. Well, maybe it wasn't in the movie. Maybe I read it someplace. But once upon a time like math and science and like engineers were primarily women in America, which is phenomenal. Like all of the computers which I found to be hilarious because I every time they said computers, I was thinking of a physical computer. Like, oh, they call them computers because they're taking the place of computers. But it's just that they compute and they, you know, they're making it active. Right. Or they're, they're naming them. And it took me a little while to like register to register that. I just I loved everything about it, even like the little love story that was embedded in it. And I don't really care for love stories, but I thought that was precious. Like their first interaction, she read him for filth when he said uh, when I'm talking about Catherine. Right. He said, oh, I didn't know women. And she just turned all the way up. I was like, yes, yes. You better tell him you're smart and let him know you are smarter than he is. It was beautiful. It was great. Yeah. You Who was know- your favorite character? I think I like Mary Jackson. I think my favorite character was Dorothy Vaughn, played by Octavia Spencer, because she, like Catherine was just bare bones smart, and Mary was funny, and she was bold. But Dorothy, she kind of sat back, and she had this position. She was older than all of them. She was. She had this position of power, that was unrecognized and she still did the work. But not only that, she refused to be put on without putting her whole team on. And that was just something that was, I was just so, I respected so much about her. I'm not going anywhere until you take all of my girls with me. Not only that, she went to the library, did her own investigations, figured out to work how to work that computer better than the people that IBM computer better than the people who brought it in, secretly taught everyone in her office, hey, you know what? This is the way the wave is going. I want to go there, but I want to bring you with me. And that to me was just, mm, 
It was so powerful. I was so here for Dorothy Vaughn, that whole movie. She was definitely my favorite character. She put the whole team on her back. Yeah. What was your favorite scene in the movie? I think my favorite scene, and it goes back to Dorothy, where she just kind of marches all of the computers, like the black computers, down to where the IBM is, like the computer is. Mm-hmm. And she's like out in front. Actually, no, no, no. That's not my favorite. My favorite is still a Dorothy Vaughn moment, though. When she's in the bathroom with the woman who is played by Kirsten Dunst. The Ms. HR Mitchell. director? Yes. Uh, the, the, H, the HR director, Miss Mitchell. And they like have this moment where... Miss Vaughn had already told, had already gotten that position for all of the women in with the with the IBM computers. And there's a moment where Miss Mitchell goes, "You know what? Despite with what you may think, I really don't have anything against y'all." And <laughs> Dorothy goes, "I know, I know, you really believe that." I was like, "Oh, she threw a whole tree oh, yeah. at." Me. Everyone, everyone in the theater started like snapping and clapping when she said that. That was to me like the best moment. Like she has been putting up with her this entire time, and then this is the point where Miss Mitchell has to come and ask her for a favor to teach her girls how to do things. She is just like been spit on, been spit on, been spit on, and been doing the most work. And then instead of letting that woman have a moment where she would like, you know lay in her I'm not racist moment. She, no, she threw that back in her face. She was like, I know. And she seemed sympathetic. And I kind of deflated. And then she was like, I know you really believe that. I was like, yes, Dorothy Vaughn. Yes. It was the best moment of the whole movie. What was yours? So first of all, I'm gonna tell you why Mary Jackson was like my favorite character. Mary Jackson, she just didn't she never saw anything as really being initially she did as being an obstacle but then it was like okay i can do this even down to remember when the when the astronauts and you know the pilots were coming and they were like oh yeah oh he's a white man she was like he know i know fine i don't care what color he is (laughs) and so it was just kind of like she was that mouthpiece you know that she was that sarcastic one that was always willing to say what others may be thinking Mm -hmm. but my favorite scene was when taraji Catherine Johnson, played by Taraji, was asking to go to the um, like the briefing. Oh, right. And it was like, oh, we don't have women in there. And she was like, we never had a man on the moon, but it's a <laughs> place to start. And, you know, I think that mindset is definitely important because so many people say, well, this is the way we've always did things. Mm-hmm. And they never really look at it like, OK, we have to start someplace. You know, I mean, just for example, think about. Who would have thought that we would ever be telling this story right? 60 years ago? No, no one. one. <laughs> but You're we right. are. You, you know, we're retelling the story now. So if you haven't seen the movie, we're trying not to spoil it for you tonight. We've, we've definitely spoiled moments. But yeah, definitely go see it. It's a classic. It's I think it's a story it. that needs to be told and... You know, these women didn't just break a color barrier. They also broke a gender barrier. Absolutely. I think also, I, I, I do want to specify that my favorite 
moment wasn't the most powerful moment of the movie. I don't know if you'll agree with me, but I felt like the most powerful moment of the movie was when they finally asked Catherine, played by Taraji, where she was going for 40 minutes a day when she had to use the restroom. Oh, yeah. And she, and I think a lot of people would say, like, when the sign comes down, no, it's when she, like, def- like defiantly is like, you don't have to think about where you go to the bathroom. Like, she kind of lights up. And I think that was an encapsulating moment or a defining moment for me about white privilege and that, like, there's, you know, the, the, the backpack, the knapsack that you carry around with you. I'm blanking on the na- woman's name who made that famous. I will find it. But you think I'm taking a break. You think I'm being lazy because you don't have to think about where you go to the bathroom. You don't have to think about what I have to go through in order to make things happen here. And it was just like such a powerful moment of like, and then she just, she didn't even sit down at her desk. She left the room and just left them to think about the fact that they were about to light into her because they didn't understand the struggles that she went through as a black woman in that space. There was no bathroom for her. So let me ask you this question. Do you think they would have tolerated her behavior if they didn't need her? Like if she wasn't absolutely not. No. Okay. No, 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 no. But they needed her. She was smart. You know, needed her. the saddest part of the movie was for me, after all of that, then she went back to the room, the segregated room, the West. That building. was her safe space. But I mean, it wasn't by choice. It was by force. They're like, oh, well, the computers have taken over. We don't need human computers anymore. Remember? And then oh, she at was, the end. Yeah. Like she was back. They were back segregated in NASA in the West building. All of the women of color were there together. And then remember, um, the pilot that became the astronaut wanted her to check the numbers before he went because he didn't trust anyone else's judgment. Right. Which I felt like was just a really powerful moment. It was just like, go get her. Like, if you're not sure, you don't know what's happening. Go get me someone that I know that I can trust. And he trusted her. And I think that was another powerful moment where she does that math in that room filled with all those like officials and she finally gets inside of the room. I'm totally telling the whole story. I am so sorry if you have not seen it. You should have just went to go see it and, and listened to us afterwards, honestly. Great movie. I really want every little girl black, brown, every little boy. Everyone just needs to go see this movie. It doesn't matter who you are. It's a phenomenal story, not just about race or the the landing on the moon, but just about resilience and like what we've had to go through to get where we are now. And I think that is magical. Yeah, and I don't think that our generation can really put into perspective the magnitude of the of the space travel like sure in the movie they showed us how people were gathering around televisions and such but like you put this in perspective a lot of people didn't even have a television at this point no and you know the whole idea was that russia had launched the satellite first that they were spying on us so think nsa that's was kind of the plan people had you know like 
tunnels and safe houses in their house because they didn't know what Russia was doing in space. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this was a monumental moment for us as a country. And I don't even know if there's anything comparable to it today. What no. do we say? Be like, all of us rallied around one thing. And I don't think as Americans, we have any one thing that we will rally around and say, I'm an American, you know, like that's the only thing I am. I, I guess you can say 9-11 was that moment. It was. I think sometimes we have a glimmer of what that could be every four years with the Olympics. And I say glimmer. I'm not saying that that like completely unifies everyone. But yeah, I, I think, think the, I think the Olympics has lost a lot of its luster as well, though. It has. But I'm just saying it, that if you're looking for an example, that's the one I got for you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or or natural devastation. We seem to rally around one another when something like that happens, but it's typically really, really short. Mm -hmm. But with with the space travels, kind of like people were nationalists. They weren't black nationalists or white nationalists. You know, it was like they were proud to be American. And, you know, I, I think it's not by coincidence that this movie comes out at this juncture in american history again where we need something to rally around i mean people rallied around it because they wanted it to be successful i can't say i mean that this is the height of like you know a lot of civil rights instances so it's not it didn't completely unify us but we definitely are in a space where we need some severe unification but i think that we're at a point where People are trying to be heard more than they're trying to listen on both sides. But as a member group of an oppressed, uh, oppressed people, it's often more important for people who are for people to listen to groups that are that are suffering oppression. Like as an able body woman, I need to listen more to people with disabilities or people who are differently abled, I think more than they need to listen to me. And I think there's an imbalance of who's listening and at what juncture. So it's going to be interesting. How do we, how do we navigate that? I think telling these stories are powerful. You know, I've had a number of conversations over the past 14 days about hidden figures and how profound the story is and you know finding other hidden figures in history and just you know having these conversations because i think if we can find places where we are similar or the same or things that that we can all agree upon i think we'll see that we're more alike than we are different as americans as people we'll see I'm still I I I'm not sure where to how to navigate it. I'm still looking through working through a lot of emotions, a lot of frustrations that I have trying to be open while not being so open that it ends up being at the expense of what I need and what my community needs. It's a difficult space and I agree with you, but it's something that I really feel like I need to sit down and investigate myself 
but before I'm able to offer someone else a solution or a steps because I am just not in in a space where I feel like I can I can offer that to people. I'm working on it though. Day by day. Well, we're here for you if you need us. Oh my gosh, you are so extra making it seem like I'm crying on the microphone. If you don't go somewhere with that. Hey, tell the people the truth. Did you cry in Hidden Figures? I only had a moment of like a tear almost fell. A tear almost fell. So it was allergies. I definitely had a moment. It was totally when, okay, you know, when she shows up home, I'm not trying to ruin it for people who haven't seen it, but when she shows up and then her daughters are at the table and then she's a surprise visitor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You say that allergies. Was so, that was so beautiful. <laughs> it was so beautiful. So, yeah, I definitely had a moment of like, oh, black love, hashtag black love. <laughs> Love is love. Yeah. Have okay. you seen? Have you seen the loving story yet? No, I haven't. Neither have I. You should probably go see that. Absolutely. Is it still in theaters? Is that a thing? It's probably at the Bird Theater. Wow. Well, check it out. That would be so. <laughs> that's so disrespectful. Like I on so many levels. To, it better go to the Bird Theater. So, uh, did we eat today? I think we did. We definitely did. In more ways than one, we got to keep it up. And look at us being consistent. Yeah. Look at us us, uh, putting stuff out for the people. Uh, Had some lunch for y'all. So our next episode, hopefully, unless there's something that's like breaking news, will be a wrap up of the Obama legacy, like where we feel like he succeeded, where we feel like he fell, our exciting excited moments are annoyed or heartbroken moments i think it's gonna be a i'm gonna make it a collector's item i'm gonna deem the next episode a collector's item can we do that is that like a thing for podcasts um look we can do whatever we want to do so let's start it off we do what we want next episode gonna be collector's item (laughs) <laughs> I, I mean, I think this is going to be incredibly difficult to objectively critique President Obama. Oh, it's going to be very hard. It's going to be very hard. I have a lot of endearing feelings towards him, but he has disappointed me no in a lot not. of different ways. Yeah, so we can give it a we can get a crack at it. I mean, we got to keep it under an hour for the people, though. Eight years and under an hour. That's the goal. I'll be ready. You be ready. I'm always ready. All right, guys. Thanks for listening.